Introducing the Dark Girl Boss Podcast for the melanated woman and girl across the globe. Unlock your genes of greatness. Feel powerful within the skin you are in. Love your unique DNA through our stories, facts, original narratives, quotes and poems. Join me, your host, Khadija Ward, on all major podcast platforms. Feel great and do great with the Dark Girl Boss Podcast, not to be missed. Welcome, welcome, Dark Girl Bosses, to the Dark Girl Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Khadija Ward, and this is episode two, Badass Warrior Queens. Before we kick off, I hope you had a week full of greatness and abundance. I thank you for listening to last week's week's episode, Fix Your Crown. And I thank you for listening today. That's a badass dark girl boss move right there towards affirming your greatness. Last week, we had downloads all over the globe to include United Kingdom, United States, Barbados and Sierra Leone. So thank you, dark girl bosses. And please continue to listen and share the dark girl boss podcast to unlock your greatness. And don't forget the Dark Girl Boss private community, a safe place for you to interact with me and other like-minded empresses like you. After the show, go to darkgirlboss.com. It's lonely out there as it's just me so far. I'm looking for the company of my girls. And so the first five to sign up for an annual subscription will receive a free bottle of the Dark Girl Boss limited edition Empress Unity Number One Sweet, Sexy, Natural Oil-Based Perfume that carries an understated elegance with an aura of mystery. So if you want that perfume, go to darkgirlboss.com to join after the show. Okay, okay, Dark Girl Bosses, fasten your seatbelts for Episode 2, Badass Warrior Queens. I'm back, girls. Let's talk belief and behavior. Do we even know who our warrior queens are that we can look up to as heroes? Do they even exist? That question will be answered later. But first, why is it even important for you, the melanated woman, to have warrior queen heroes? It's important because your belief in your heroes contributes towards shaping your belief system and also determining your behavior out there in society. Your belief system and behavior are the two major factors towards creating your reality, your success, your dreams, as it were. Let me give you some examples. One is I believe my people are great. So I create products and services to make them believe and feel great and do great. Do you get where I'm going here? Belief equals behavior, which in turn contributes to the end goal. And two, I've seen in shopping malls all over London, people of the Christian faith, melanated people preaching the Bible on microphones out in the open, on the streets, in droves, giving out their literature. Effectively, they are trying to recruit people into the faith. And in those actions, they are building upon the church empire. 
Why do Christians do this? They do it because of their belief system and because of that, they become organised and behave in a manner that executes their belief into a reality. One believes in the mission, goes to church, gives their donation. When the plate comes round, believe me, they're sustaining the church empire. What you believe makes you act in a particular way, which is the end goal. Behaviour always has an end goal, whether we realise it or not. If I can just focus on the church for a moment longer, and by no means am I trying to knock anyone's faith, but the Church of England was heavily involved in the African Holocaust in many ways, and they indoctrinated kidnapped Africans into Christianity. That legacy has been passed down, and I'm sure many of us remember the white Jesus pictures in our homes growing up. The white Jesus was basically a superhero. Some of us worship this character and take to the church to the churches and streets to do his work as he is our hero. There is no black nation building or empire building involved in that strategy at all. So it isn't as if melanated people cannot organize. They can. It's just that our indoctrination makes us organize for causes that do not progress an end goal for a reunited self-reliant, wealthy people. Our belief system comes from many various avenues of our environment. I believe the belief system is based upon um, nurture and nature, and your DNA determines the basis of who you are. The nurture, that is the environment in which you are raised, your entire environment to include society as a whole, not just your home, It can either override who you really are supposed to be, according to your genes, your DNA, or it can enhance what is already there or create a whole new one. I'm going to put serial killers out there as an example too. Is it weird though that I take an interest in knowing how the mind of a serial killer works? Them having that urge to constantly kill and what makes them tick has always intrigued me. Anyway, I digress. I mentioned serial killers because I'm aware in the study of serial killers, they use the nature versus nurture argument in terms of determining that murderous behaviour. The experts aren't quite sure which which one it is, but it's probably a combination of the two, in my view. Another example, by nature, the dark man is not a violent man. He is a warrior. Our story tells us that. And there's a difference between a violent man and a warrior. However, we can see that his nurture his environment in his current society has manufactured his belief system. His warrior side is twisted. He acts violently, non-warrior-like. So I'll tell you what I mean. I was watching a documentary on the young king in America, 16-year-old Khalif Browder, um, that was imprisoned in Rikers Prison for three years, unjustly, yeah, without charge and held in solitary confinement for 18 months of those years. I won't tell you the ending or go into it too much, just in case you haven't seen it. And also, it's very, very, very painful to watch. Anyway, most of the inmates were our young kings, and the violence that went on was shocking. There is video footage of them beating each other and the guards, some and the guards beating them as well, some of whom are also black either letting them beat each other up senseless or beating them too. Clearly, that is a case of 
nurture at the hands of society through, you know, indoctrinated systems. The system has nurtured our children, us, through ghettos, schools, the media, TV, radio, film, theatre, you name it, and made people like you and I hate ourselves. The, our belief system is shot. And as a result, young kings and queens, for that matter, end up in these institutions called prison, where violent behaviour is executed as the norm on a regular, as a mechanism of survival. Again, belief equals behaviour. We believe, so we act in accordance with that belief. Someone that is truly great has a strong belief of where they come from and who they are. And they demonstrate appropriate characteristics that executes that belief. And they would not entertain mindless acts. Warriors are people of stature. with And don't go around being violent, killing like barbarians. If we look at what violence is and what a warrior, a warrior is, they are two completely different things. In what they call a domestic violence situation, for example, two people together in a home, the person that is inflicting the violence isn't called a warrior. They are not warriors. They are violent barbarians. Whereas the characteristics of a warrior, in my view, is one of honour, bravery, fearlessness, mental agility, internal strength. A person strategically engaged in a battle are highly skilled in combat. A warrior knows when it's time to be a warrior and they do not engage in inflicting mindless, senseless violence. The term warrior stems from war or warfare. However, a warrior is not someone that for centuries savagely kidnaps and enslaves the nation, brands them with hot iron rods, among other barbaric activities. Or they don't start wars on defenceless people, drop bombs, bombs on them from midair and takes over them, their country and their resources. That is the work of a barbaric coward, not a warrior. I always raise the African Holocaust as it's part of our past, your past, and as painful as it is, and I raise it in this instance because your young people have to know your story. Before we landed on the Caribbean islands, etc., and for the purpose of this podcast ep episode, Badass Warrior Queens, you should know that 400 years of enslavement reaffirmed that we were natural warriors. With our knowledge taken away, you know, from who we um, really are and our ancestors that were kidnapped from Africa, were prevented from teaching their offspring, those born into enslavement to read or write, and brainwashed that we were less than human, still we exuded mental agility, internal strength, which was required to endure that kind of hell and keep our race alive. I tell you now, there is not another race on the planet that would have been able to survive under those conditions because it takes a warrior strength. And compared to our ancestors, other races are weak. And also, the planning of escape took mental agility and strategic planning, warrior-like characteristics. Now, in this current society, we don't see that type of warrior-style strength. We don't see ourselves being warriors, even though we are in a war. You, the dark man and woman, do not even realise you are in a war. So if you don't, then your children don't. Ergo, our environment has inflicted indoctrinated, 
particular belief systems that not only made some of us blind to the ills of which we have befallen, but the natural warrior inside of us is blinkered, dumbed down, nurture taking over nature, altering our belief system. Why don't we know we are in a war? Why isn't our warrior side coming out? Well, I'll tell you. Let's talk about warriors, aka superheroes. I'm back, girls. Superheroes. We have been made to believe that superheroes are make-believe fictional characters who possess super skills that protect and rescue the world from the bad guys and make us feel that anything is possible. We admire and believe in them and we strive to be like them. The superheroes that we see have been created by European conglomerates. And in last week's episode, Fix Your Crown, I mentioned the civil rights movements and how powerful we looked with our natural hair, um, walking along, you know, in, in crowds, ready for battle like warriors. That was the time of unity, the Black Panthers. They were organisers, warriors and empire builders. If we think of Black Panther today, what do we think of? We think of the film Black Panther, created by European conglomerate. Some of us may think, oh, that's cool, I really love that film, it's a black hero. But it takes away the reality of your real-life Black Panther warriors. In addition, excuse me, it's not created by us, and we do not control the narrative on it. Again, it's indoctrination. They get to control our story and who we see as heroes. Psychological warfare is the war we are in, and we must understand it in order to win it. Superheroes, as they are lovingly called, are effectively warriors. But where did the idea of heroes come from? The superheroes are based upon your people. You were superheroes. You may remember last week's episode, Fix Your Crown Again, when I gave you a brief overview of the power of your melanin. And most of the gadgets that we see today, telephone, etc., are based upon your melanin. Incidentally, the word telephone derives from the word um, telepathy, which is what we were able to do in the past. I actually have a story of my own telepathic powers I used to possess, and I'll tell you more about it um, in one of my masterclasses, not on a public podcast. Anyway, telepathy, among other powers are what our real-life superheroes possess, and the heroes created by the likes of the conglomerates are based upon you. Real superheroes that have helped shape our rich and powerful story and set the path for you. But we do not know about them. Our story has been wiped out and rewritten as someone else's story. Think, Think about the superheroes, warriors, You see in film, they're powerful, charismatic, formidable leaders with great intellect and vision, each with his or her own awesome gift and skill. And as children, we learn from what we are told 
and that learning comes from visual aids such as film, TV and comic books. When a child sees a superhero on TV or at the cinema, they don't think this isn't real. They believe it to be reality. And even though when they grow up, they realise it's fiction, the psychological work has already been done. The white child sees the hero that looks like him. So in his mind, he thinks, I come from heroes, I can be a hero. And it's all psychological. The melanated child also loves the hero. But wait a minute. The hero does not look like him or her. So if you're a melanated child, do you believe your people are heroes? Am I a hero? Can I even become a hero? I um, didn't have girl children. I had boy children. And when my first child was growing up, early 80s, it was the era of the blonde superhero, He-Man. His power was his sword. He was effectively a warrior. He-Man was all the rage. I brought my son everything He-Man. There were no black superhero toys or films. He-Man was my son's hero, even though he looked nothing like him. But He-Man had all the characteristics of a warrior. Psychologically, what was this telling my son? Think about it. Think about it, that image. When I was growing up in the 60s, the female warrior heroes I saw were Emma Peel from the original 60s, um, the Avengers, the original 60s Avengers. Okay, they gave us Eartha Kitt as Catwoman. Eartha Kitt was badass. And okay, at that time, I thought Emma Peel was badass too. I was probably eight years old. Um, but apart from Eartha Kitt in that, that one film, I didn't have any female heroes, woman heroes on the TV or big screen to look up to that looked like me. And in the 60s or early 70s, I didn't know anything about our badass ancestral warrior queens. It was the complete opposite. I have to tell you a quick story. You know, I love telling stories. Um, it's the first time I knew anything about my history. Um before Barbados, yeah, before, you know, um, that's where my, my parents are from. My parents didn't talk about the enslavement of our ancestors. Even though Barbados has really um, meticulous records on slavery, they really do. Um, but anyway, as far as I was concerned, there was no story prior to Barbados. Somehow we just landed on Barbados. I was 11 years old, uh, just started secondary school. Um, I was in school, the bell rang to change classes and I always used to run to the next class to sit next to the radiator as I was always cold. So on that day, there was no different. I ran to get the radiator seat. Anyway, we all settled down. It was history lesson. And so far I had learned about Edwardian kings and queens, etc. Henry VIII and what have you. On this particular day, we were learning from a different book. So I opened it up and staring right up at me was a woman that looked like me with chains around her neck with a boy who was also in chains I literally froze staring at the image in the book I couldn't even hear what the teacher was saying all I remember is thinking am I related to these people and feeling both horrified and embarrassed they had been teaching us about the grandeur of European kings and queens. I see Emma Peel on TV, dressed in all black catsuit, being a warrior. 
Then you show me something that looks like me in rags and chains, being sold like cattle. Very, very confusing for a child. How was I ever able to believe I was great without a superhero to look up to? Like my white counterparts. Anyway, after the initial shock and I regained my hearing, all I could hear from the teacher was crap about slaves, how we couldn't read or write and it was not nice, not nice at all. Plus, I was the only black child in that class. An experience I shall never forget, as here I am, decades later, telling the story. Telling the story. Let's have ten seconds of music after telling that traumatic story. My first badass warrior queen, which I didn't realise until I was grown, was my mother. She was my first teacher, but as a child I didn't know I was being moulded and taught. And the impact she had on me as a person was amazing. She was a warrior who gave me drive, determination, strength of character, perseverance and the will to succeed And without these traits, I would not have survived the numerous downs of my life. But because she wasn't sitting me down with books and, you know, like in a classroom, I didn't realise that I was being taught by a warrior, but I was. You know, we have superheroes, we just don't see them. And on screen, we don't see them. On the rare occasions we see our heroes on screen, it will be produced or financed by non-melanated people, which means... We don't control the narrative and we must 100% control the narrative of our superheroes, past and present. The European has taken extreme measures to create fictitious warriors, heroes, male and female. You have the Wonder Woman's, Emma Peel from the original 60s Avengers, Catwoman. These are oldies, but there are many, many more today that have been created. Um, excuse me, by the European, and they are subconsciously teaching their children to believe they are great, powerful leaders and capable of anything. That is the purpose of all of these superhero warriors in comics and film. We don't have any dark girl heroes on screen produced by us yet, but I am going to change that as I'm currently producing a film with sheroes and heroes for us by us. Don't worry, I'm bringing you some dark woman and girl warriors in the film I'm producing. It may take a while, but it's coming. Let's talk badass warrior queens. Let me start by saying you are all warrior queens. Do you know why? Because it's in your DNA. That is part of the greatness of you, the dark girl. Listen to last, last week's podcast, Fix Your Crown. I tell you, your melanin gives you powers. It's the way nature planned it. Someone sung, sung that song. I'm sure it was the Mighty Diamonds. 
Anyway, you just don't know it and you haven't been told or shown and it has been suppressed using particular external techniques. I go into how your powers um, given to you by your melanin are suppressed in more detail in one of my masterclasses. Um, but you got it, girl. You just don't know it. You have it. I want to tell you about a current day in today's society, badass warrior queen we have operating in our community. My good friend, Angela Rose, fondly known as Sister Angie, co-founder of Agator's with her king, Yui Rose. That sister is a badass warrior queen. She may not want me to say too much as she operates behind the scenes, but she believes in her greatness as a dark woman. All the principles of a dark girl unity she has, and she is an empire builder. Make no mistake, she is badass. Rise up yourself, Sister Angie. As you know, I love telling stories. And this story is how spiritually I drew upon the power, the greatness of our female ancestral warriors to beat the conglomerate Hugo Boss in a trademark war. Yes, I went up against Hugo Boss. I'm going to play you a clip of a talk I gave at Sister Circle, the Sister Circle event um, in 2000 and um, I think it was 2018, 19, telling the story of my victory. Here goes. Embracing your greatness and finding your economic power. And this is a story about, this is my story, a part of my story of how I exercise my own personal power. I was in a fight with Hugo Boss. Has anybody heard of Hugo Boss? Anybody heard of Hugo Boss? Boom, yes, I like it, yes, Hugo Boss. <laughs> I was in a fight with Hugo Boss, the international giant Hugo Boss. And I'll tell you why. I decided to create Dark Girl Boss. Yeah, Dark Girl Boss for our, for our women, black women. Hugo Boss decided they didn't want me to create Dark Girl Boss because it's going to interfere with Hugo Boss. So um, I was at home one day, one Saturday, and um, it was nine o'clock and the um, door rang. I wasn't expecting anybody because it was really quite early. And um, my son and I, we both went to the draw at the same time. And, oh, it was a postman. So um, he gave me the um, letter. It was a letter. I, I wasn't sure what it was because um, it, it was a letter, an A4 um, envelope, and it was in a see-through plastic bag. It's like, I thought it was some, I thought someone had died and left me some money, a big fat check or something. <laughs> I just wondered what this envelope was. And so I just signed for it, and I, I opened it, and I started to read it. And the blood was draining from my face, and my son said, Governor, what's wrong? Because my sons call me Governor because I'm the boss, right? So they call me Governor. Uh, governor, what's wrong? I said, You go, boss. They're threatening me. They're trying to take me to court. I couldn't understand. It was an eight page letter. They were saying to me, I must stop immediately using the name Dark Girl Boss. I have to withdraw my application from the intellectual property office. I have to 
closed down all of my social media accounts. Now, I must never ever use them, or anyone associated with me must never ever use them, and I must never apply again to the Intellectual Property Office with that name, Dark Girl Boss. And if I dare, they're going to take me to court. So what did I do? I phoned all my friends. I phoned all my family. All day long I was talking about, you go boss, you go boss, you go boss all day. Why are they troubling? Why is you go boss troubling me? All day long I was talking about you go boss. I phoned loads of solicitors uh, and they, was, they said, oh well, you're not going to be able to fight you go boss. You might as well just change the name, don't fight you go boss. So that night I lay in bed and I looked up at the ceiling. And I thought to myself, you go boss, you've made a mistake. Yes. Right. And your first mistake was thinking that I was weak. Woo! You don't know who you're messing with. I am an empress of the African realm. Okay. You are not going to mess with me. That's right. I didn't know how I was going to win, but I knew I was going to win. <laughs> so, what I did was, I mustered all my power because I believe in my own greatness. Yes. And my greatness comes from my ancestors and I believe in it wholeheartedly. And that belief helps me to do, to function and do the things what I, what I need to do. It helps me to work in unity with my people. It helped me to remove myself from the corporate plantation. It just helped me because I had so much self-belief that I'm great. I'm sorry, I just think I'm great. I'm great. I'm black and I'm great. So I went to, what I did was, I went to the media, uh, social media. So I put it all out on social media. Everybody was outraged. All the community, they came out and they was behind me. They was outraged and they were saying, fight them, do everything, do everything. And I was just so, so happy with all of the support that I received from my community. Because without them, my power on its own would be meaningless. Mm. I needed the power of my community, mm. and I got it. But first of all, I had to exercise my own power first, which I did. Yeah, right. I did, and um, it got so much traction. I mean, I was featured in iPaper, um, featured in The Voice newspaper, um, I was featured in BBC Radio all across the nation, uh, Birmingham, Bristol, Wolverhampton, London, everywhere. It went everywhere. I was interviewed by, um, uh, what's his name, Quincy the Comedian, and also uh, Paul, Paul McKenzie of uh, uh, Soapbox Real Talk. So it went everywhere. So what did you go, boss, do? We want to talk. <laughs> okay, they're still waiting. But anyway, yeah, they said they wanted to talk. And I didn't want them to talk. I, I didn't want to talk to them. I thought, you know, let them burn for a minute. Leave them there for a moment. But what happened in the end was, they withdrew. They withdrew, they withdrew. Let's get a round of applause. They withdrew because the power of the black community was exercised. Now, if we use that type of power in economics, can you imagine how powerful we would be? Yeah? So that's what we have to do. We have to think about how great we are. Believe in yourself. 
believe in your, and also, incidentally, I forgot to tell you that I was, um, I was interviewed by Dr. Abu, the founder of Galaxy Radio, I'm sure many of you must know him. And on live radio, he turned to me and he said, Empress Khadija. Yeah, Empress Khadija. Hold fast. You go boss, acting like a colonial jackass. I said, that is going in the book. He also said to me, think about the spirit of Nanny and the power of Nzinga and draw on them and it was deep, I really, it was so deep and I really, I really did and it really, really helped me. So I just want to really finish by saying you have to embrace your greatness, your personal power because without that we won't be able to work as a community. It has to be about you believing and loving yourself as an individual first. That's what you have to do first and once you do that you will find how much power you have to work within your community. We need this power to exercise our economic strength. And once we have that, we build, we grow, we have legacies to leave our children. At the moment, we don't have anything to leave them. We can't leave them the nine to five, yeah? So we have, don't have anything. So what we need to get our skates on and start. So start by believing in your greatness, believing in your ancestors. You are great. You were born great, my people. Yeah? That's what I have to say to you. And I'll just finish by saying, if you want to buy the book, to just support the women in the book as well, the stories in the book, there's six stories of women, ordinary women in the book, you can get signed copies from me at the back. But that's all I have to say today about your empowering yourself, loving yourself, and embracing your greatness. So thank you so much, my people. Love you, thank you. I hope you enjoyed that clip, Dark Girl Bosses. You see how I played a strategic chess game with Hugo Boss. I didn't fight them in court because that was their playing field. I found their weakness and used it to win. I did it by drawing upon the strength of your warrior ancestors and it made me feel the power of my own greatness. Since that day, people have contacted me asking how I beat Hugo Boss. They say they need help fighting XYZ. But to tell you the truth, how will they understand when I say I believed in my greatness and I drew upon the spirit of my ancestors to help me execute my beliefs and give me solutions? Let's talk ancestral badass warrior queens. Take the Dark Woman by nature, she, you, have many positive attributes, superpowers, if you will. And Warrior is also on that list. Remember the Dark Girl Boss quote We are warriors, childbearers, sisters, wives, leaders, nurturers, 
teachers. We are the dark-skinned empresses of the African realm. End of quote. If people think we were just sitting around knitting, they're mistaken. We were trained in combat to protect our kingdoms and empires along with our kings. Simply because it strengthens the empire, it was a strategic move. Let's look at some of our badass ancestral warrior queens, and they're in no particular order. They are not ranked in any particular order. As far as I'm concerned, they're equally as great. First up, Queen Mina was a legendary warrior queen of the Hausa people in northern Nigeria. She was widely known for her military exploits and extending Hausa rule and influence in different regions. She's credited with the construction of the Hausa walls built around the city for protection. She single-handedly took her people to the next level. Next up, Queen Monosecta was a Kondakai queen in ancient Nubia. She came from a line of ancient Nubians that would fight in battle. She is well known for having defeated a Roman army sent by Augustus to conquer Nubia after Rome broke a treaty made by her mother. Rome made several attempts to try and conquer Nubia and failed. Most of them thwarted by the Dark Woman. Next up, Ya Asantawa. I hope I'm pronouncing their names right. You see, that's the trouble when your native languages have been stolen through enslavement and all your first languages is the Queen of England's goddamn lingo. You know, really annoying. Anyway, she was um, queen of the Asante Empire in Ghana. She led the war against the British Empire in the 20th century. But what made her so unique is her powerful impact she had on the minds of the people. And in the last female war, um, led what is female to led war, led war against European colonists, she fought against the British after they demanded the golden stall as a symbol, which was a symbol for the Asante religion. Following the exile of the king of Asante Prempe, she mobilized men and women and led the Ashantai in a rebellion known as the War of the Golden Stall. However, despite her efforts, British reinforcements sent her into exile without, and without her guidance, um, the forces, the Ashantai forces were unable to win their battle against colonial armies and the British remained in control of the Ashantai. Nevertheless, Ya Asentawa is immortalised in Ghana today and in my view has the high honour of a badass warrior queen. You see all these warriors I'm mentioning, they were all real queens, not make-believe, steal a country's resources, play like I'm royal and put a goddamn crown on my head full of stolen jewels. Yes, now I'm a queen. Get the F out of here, man.
Well, that was definitely worth a drum roll. Next up, the legendary Queen Nazinga. 1583 to 1663. Badass warrior queen Nzinga, or Amazon queen of Matamba, was born in West Africa. She was a fearless warrior queen and military genius. This Angolian queen was an astute diplomat and excelled as a military leader. She manipulated European politics and she welcomed runaway slaves. When the slave-hunting Portuguese attacked the army of her brother's kingdom, she formed her own army against the Portuguese, fighting on the front line, waging war for nearly 30 years, uniting Africans against the Portuguese. She fought off colonialization, built an empire, making her land a centre of trade, which made her country powerful. There were many attempts to kill her. However, they failed, and the Europeans were never able to gain a stronghold on this magnificent queen. Creating wealth and business, she kept her land independent and free up until the 19th century. Queen Nzinga had it all. Leadership, royalty, military genius, and last but not least, fearless warrior and entrepreneur, empire builder. Now that's a badass warrior queen. Take lessons for strength and greatness, empresses. In my book, she takes the crown. Next up, Adelaide Hayford, 1868 to 1950. Not on the traditional military battlefield, but on the battlefield, nonetheless, she knew she was in a war. So Hayford was from Sierra Leone, a strong advocate of cultural nationalism. She was an educationalist and short story writer. Her determination to ensure that Sierra Leone preserve their national identity and cultural heritage caused her in 1925 to attend a reception in the honour of the Prince Charles, Prince of Wales, um, in traditional African costume, causing a complete sensation, a stir. Yeah, she threw everybody by coming in traditional dress. She was born in Freetown, Sierra Leone, but spent most of her childhood in England, where her father retired in 1872. In England, she opened a boarding house for African bachelors, It was during this time that she married a lawyer, C. Hayford, whom influenced her transformation into a a cultural nationalist. After returning to Sierra Leone, Hayford established a vocational institution that would awaken in pupils a love for country, pride of race and enthusiasm for the black man's capabilities and genuine admiration for Africa's artwork. A gifted public speaker, Hayford advocated that Congress Day ought to be observed as a public holiday and she canvassed mothers to mothers to explain the significance of the day to their children. She recognised the immediate need for a national university and called for the establishment of a professorship in the major African languages of special significance. Was That was the emphasis she placed on arts and craft as Africa's unique 
contribution to world culture. She was badass, badass warrior queen. Next up, Queen Monotere was the last great builder of the ancient Kush. The quantity and quality of her buildings indicate that her reign was one of the most successful in Kush history. She allowed people to practice their different beliefs as she was an amazing queen of understanding and compassion. Very short and sweet, but nonetheless an empire builder. Queen Tai, a political and influential queen in Kemetic history, the grandmother of King Tut, she pioneered the black print of foreign relations for other African queens. She possessed a great deal of power during her husband and son's reign. She was her husband's trusted advisor and confidant. She acquired respect from foreign dignities and she played an active role in foreign affairs. Her formidable personality enabled her to win the hearts of her people. Her husband devoted shrines to her and she was worshipped as a goddess. Right there, melanated king and badass warrior queen working in unity to achieve success and sustain empires. Badass. Next up, badass warrior queen, Madame Ifunroye Tumbu. When our Nigerian queen found out what was happening to enslave our people, she fought the British against slavery, preventing millions from crossing the Atlantic. She was a shrewd and ambitious business tycoon who wielded enormous economic power across Western Africa and political power in Ebiokoa and Lagos. She married and had two sons, but her husband died soon after. So newly a widow and a single mother, she started trading tree bark and leaves to make a living. She had learned valuable market skills from her grandmother, who traded in tree bark, root, herbs and leaves. She also learned business skills from her mother, who had been a food seller. And in 1833, she remarried Adele, Adele, an exiled king of Lagos. So when this marriage, with this marriage, she began to accumulate economic and political power. Using her husband's connection, she built a successful business empire. Um, after um, Adele, her husband, returned to his throne in 1835, he died, unfortunately, two years later in 1837, making Toumbu a widow for the second time. She helped, however, though, install Adele's son, Oluwulu, as the new king. She also continued to expand her trade network by monopolizing palm oil and offering firearms obtained from the Europeans, which increased her wealth during the um, Yoruba Wars of the 1840s and 50s. She expanded her empire by controlling the major new items of commerce, so palm oil, coconut oil and cotton. She now established foreign trade alliances and brokered deals with European and Brazilian political and military leaders. She was the major conduit in Lagos between European traders and merchants from throughout the Nigerian backcountry. Economic powerhouse remains one of the most important figures in 19th century Nigeria to this day. Um, so there is a square in Lagos that remains one of the major commercial hubs in the city as the lasting tribute to her success. So, yeah. Nuff said she was a badass warrior queen.
Next up, Saint Belair. We hear a lot of Toussaint Louverture, but let us not forget the warriors of the Haitian Revolution that took on the French head-to-head and their significant contributions in creating Haiti, the first African colony to win independence, becoming the Black Independent Republic of the New World. And there were many, however, and I have highlighted one of the two that are on record, and that one is Saint Belia. Incidentally, it should be added, the unrest that is currently occurring in Haiti has been invest- instigated by the West, you should know. They want to unstable it, sending their troops, like they're saving the people, and then rape it of its precious resources. You see, this is why we have to unite as Africans and stop the West taking what is ours. This is the war we are in, empresses, that I'm talking about, and we have to take note from our ancestor warrior queens to protect what is ours. Anyway, back to the soldiers. Um, I've chosen as um, badass warrior queen of Haiti during the Haitian Revolution is Saint Belair. During the 14th year, the 14-year war, she was a lieutenant in um, Louverture's army and fought in combat on the battlefield. She is known for her bravery and her refusal to wear a blindfold when she was being executed. Belair is only one of the two women to be featured on Haitian currency. She is a badass warrior queen. I'm not wearing a blindfold. Execute me. I want to see what you're doing. She's badass. Next up, Hypatia. She was a very accomplished ancient Kemetic woman, mathematician and scientist. European scholars have depicted Hypatia as European, but she was very much an African woman. Don't get it twisted, people. We must know that. Her father was also a famous mathematician. She held a chair in the philosophy department at the University of Alexandria. She taught maths, physics, astronomy, and philosophy. Hypatia has been given credit for inventing an apparatus to distill water and measuring liquid levels. Hypatia's death was brutal at the hands of the Romans. And I mentioned the death, you know, it's really bad in detail in my book. Um, So when um, Alexandria was under the rule of... um, Roman Christendom, they envied her badass brain, which is why they they killed her, basically. But she was a badass warrior, no doubt. How can we forget the revolutionary Queen Nana, Jamaican maroon leader and national Jamaican hero. Queen Nana of the Maroons was a well-known leader in the 18th century. Fearless. Maroons formed autonomous communities in the hills of Jamaica. It is said that Nana was a Asante woman sold into slavery in the early 18th century. Um, 
she was a military leader and she occupies a place of great importance and reverence in Jamaica. The success of the maroon population in Jamaica was a combination of military expertise and a matriarchal system of cooperative power. Nana was the spiritual, cultural and military leader um, of the Wynwood Maroons and her importance stems from the fact that she guided the Maroons through the most intense period of their resistance against the British. We all know she was a badass warrior queen. Hail Queen Nana. Well, Dark Girl Bosses, that's it for this week. We had a few tech problems, for which I apologise, but I hope you still enjoyed the show. Remember the Dark Girl Boss quote, don't beg for power, take it. And you were born great. Draw upon and replicate your ancestral badass warrior queen's greatness. It's within you. Also, go to darkgirlboss.com to join me on my new platform. And don't forget to join me next Sunday. This is your host, Khadija Ward, sending you positive vibrations, and I'm out. Introducing the Dark Girl Boss Podcast for the melanated woman and girl across the globe. Unlock your genes of greatness. Feel powerful within the skin you are in. Love your unique DNA through our stories, facts, original narratives, quotes and poems. Join me, your host, Khadija Ward, on all major podcast platforms. Feel great and do great with the Dark Girl Boss Podcast, not to be missed.